everyone, welcome to OnChain Alpha, a weekly podcast where we explore the world of on-chain data. We unpack valuable insights and novel applications of on-chain data together with the people who are building the most innovative data infrastructure, analytics platforms, and writing your favorite threads and articles. Make sure to sign up to our newsletter, which is going to be linked in the description below. Before we start, I want to thank the projects that have made OnChain Alpha possible. Mosaic, the loyalty rewards protocol for on-chain brands and their fans. The Optimism Collective, scaling Ethereum's present to provide funding for its future. And Bankless DAO, a decentralized community on a mission to help the world go bankless. Welcome, Eric. Really, it's wonderful to have you here. Um, I'm going to let you run through your intro, but I mean, I also want to geek on just Covalent a bit and then, you know, how you uh, joined um, yeah. and what they're doing, because I, I, I've I been following the work that they've been doing at least for two years since I've met the team at ETH Denver two oh, years yeah. ago. So let everybody know who you are and what is Covalent. Yeah, so I'm Eric. I'm the head of ecosystem. Uh, I work on a lot of the new. If it's new, shiny, and we don't know how it's going to work, it probably falls on my plate to go figure out, figure that out. Um, so I, I've been with. I'll say. I'll say my story, and then and transition to covalent. So. I got into crypto many years ago. Um, the first time I I I remember it was 2014, and we had I had a music software company, uh, and we needed to solve a royalty accounting problem, which doesn't sound it sounds very uninteresting, and it was, but we couldn't find somebody to do our royalty accounting. And somebody said, "Well, why don't you do it on a blockchain?" And I said, "What's a blockchain?" And they said, "Oh, Bitcoin." And then you go down the rabbit hole, and so I started learning and. I didn't get really involved until I think 2017, 2018, when I was looking and I had some Bitcoin and I was like, oh, this is worth something now. I should probably start paying more attention. Uh, it was just ridiculous. I, so I, I went from startup um, to a consultancy to working at some big companies to working for uh, uh, internal internal like VC, like operator VC, working with existing portfolio companies for like a pubco with prop capital out of uh, Hong Kong. So I did that. Works for some. Worked for Best Buy as, as a product manager. Um, so like working with big data was always fun. And so like that's what I think I learned is I like data. Like data is fun. Data and money are the two most interesting things. Um, and so I in 2018 we built me and a couple of guys. It's funny how everyone has gone on to do other things. Like everyone's a lot of the guys are still in crypto, but just totally different things. We built a crowdfunding platform which failed miserably because the market dried up for token sales. So like we were just way too early. Uh, way too early. Um, and then we did that and I met Ganesh because I needed to figure out how to airdrop people, like how to get wallet addresses like for ETH so I could airdrop people stuff because I didn't want to manually sit there doing it. And I was like, I just need an API to get all this. So he had this idea of building an indexer and I remember meeting up with him and the, the original pitch for Covalent was, and it's, it's crazy how it hasn't really changed. It was, hey, Ethereum's going to be the thing. And I was like, yeah, I totally agree. And he said, Ethereum's going to be really big and Ethereum produces limitless amounts of data. And I said, yeah, I totally agree. He says, we're going to take all that data. We're going to make it, we're going to structure it, dice it up and make it really useful and put it in a database. And I said, that's an amazing idea. I totally buy it. I have zero pushback. I agree. This is where the future is. I said, but that's years away. What are you going to do right now? And he said, I have not, an, I don't know. I have no idea. He says, you want to buy data? And I was like, no, I'm, I don't know. Nobody has money. And so, but I liked the pitch and I was like, there's nothing like I, I still to this day agree. Uh, and so a couple of years went by, we met up again and he was like, Hey, um, I think we have product market fit. We have revenue. We have a lot of the good things, um, a lot, everything you want for a business. And he's like, and we are going to build the largest decentralized network of Ethereum data. And I was like, I buy that. Like the pit once again, like two years later, the pitch hasn't really changed. It was just 
there's the biggest issue with like now sort of transition trends. I'll, I'll transition to covalent and say like how we got where we are. The original idea was, look, I can put all this ETH data in a database, but if it's not cryptographically secure and I can't prove that somebody hasn't tampered with it, how do you know the data is good? Because at this point you have people actually paying for the data. So how do they know he's not going and mucking around in the back end to make like, oh, I'm a big bag holder for this. Let me change, like, let me play with my database to change this. There's, there's no, there's no version control. There's nothing. It's like, it's, it's his opinion. If his data is bad and he has thousands of, and there's thousands of customers, then there's all these problems. And so I was like, yeah, I agree. That's a problem. And then the other problem is ETH and a lot of these data services are going to get commoditized. So like there's a lot, everyone says, oh, there's lots of indexers or lots of that. But that's not a problem. The thing is, if it gets commoditized, like server fees cost a certain amount. Running infrastructure, there's fixed costs with this. And it's like, if you have token-based incentives, you can lower the cost and really turn it into a public service good. So in my mind, data shouldn't be expensive. I think data, like if you look at the the like TradFi markets, like data, the, it's it's in it's in the billions, maybe even trillions of dollars. The 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 data market. But I think it's un, a lot of these things are generally unknown because they like they would live in silos and there is no market. Like having access to Google's data is a question mark because Google has so much proprietary data. So it's like the market is whatever they're willing to sell it for, right? So I think what what is interesting is I think the TAM for data is very small. Um, even though it's like a 28 billion, I don't 20 trillion, I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But what's interesting about crypto is it takes this private, it's going to take a lot of things are going to come on chain and it's going to take a lot of this and make it public and all of a sudden create a lot of new markets. So I'm like, as big as it is today, the data is going to get commoditized. It's going to be a question of how cheap can people get it to build cool stuff, right? So that has been my thesis. So like the thesis, how we've sort of not pivoted, but I think what we've sort of gone to is is, is the narrative is long-term data availability. Um, you see like Eigenlayer and Celestia and these guys are like, oh, we're short-term data availability, which is true. Like they only store it for a certain amount of time. But our thesis, and like I said, it hasn't really ever changed since day one. It's been, well, what are you going to do when you need block like transactions or historical data from like the first 20 blocks of Ethereum five years from now? Or like what happened two years ago? Or how are you going to train data models like AI models to like his, like, rec like for pattern recognition is you need a lot of data and it has to be structured, like used and, you know, usable. And it has to be stored somewhere and there has to be an incentive for that. So like we've, we've decided to double down and hyper specialize and like, you know, we're, we're doing one thing and it just, it's funny. Like I didn't think, you know, when I saw Eigenlayer and Celestia, I was like, oh, this makes intuitive sense. Like I totally get this, but we have been preaching not something similar, but like we've been building the same thing. It's just a longer term horizon. Um, and I totally agree. So I'm like, it's, it's interesting. Like this roll up thesis, this app chain thesis, a lot of these things we've been talking about, it's like, it's playing out. We've just been in the market a little longer than everybody else. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks so much. You know, I, I had a couple of questions as you were uh, talking about, you know, the, I guess the evolution or the market and the fit, you know, for the products that uh, Covalent has been building. One of these is, how recently, I guess, have uh, has Covalent seen some of this success? Because I remember meeting them, like I said, two years ago, and I'm wondering since then, like how recently has that happened, or is this something that is that already happened then, and is just like now we're kind of testing new ideas? I think it's a so I think what's interesting about the network stuff is like it hasn't changed too much. Like we've changed some of the term. You you make some mistakes. We you you we've changed some of the terminology. We've made some engineering mistakes, which is fine. Like, but that's that's I think the thing when you're you're there's there's settlers and there's people who are on the frontier. And I think when you're on the frontier, you're naturally gonna make mistakes. But the difference 
between a professional and an amateur. I think I can't remember who, who I'm stealing this quote. I think it's Kevin Kelly from from Wired, the guys from Wired magazine. I read this, but it says the difference between a professional and an amateur is a professional is how fa- a professional knows how to recover quickly. So I think about that where we've made some mistakes, but it's all in how fast you recover and how fast you know you deal with what you're doing. Because I think the advantage that we've had is, and I've said this, like, I'm going to keep saying the same thing, like, but we haven't, the trajectory hasn't changed. It's still long-term data availability. This data has to exist in 10 years and there has to be an incentive and a reason. So as long as like, I don't, I, I say this a lot of the time, like, I don't know how we're going to, we have a, we have a good plan. The plan changes, it goes left, it goes right, but you're, you're still hitting the same trajectory. And because you're doing that, it makes things a lot easier. In regards to the products, I mean, I, I'll be honest. Some things have been hit, some things have been missed. But I, I, I have a the, like I have a thesis that if, as long as your shipping velocity is high, uh, as long as fifty percent of the stuff, fifty percent plus works, then it's fine. Um, you're gonna fail at a lot of things. Like we, we failed at a lot of things, but I think that's 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 par for the course because the but the things we've gotten right, we've gotten really right. Like we have some APIs we've built because like the whole thing is you have this to so, you know, two parts. One is decentralized network. So all historical data, that's the network side. That's what the token is for. It's for a bunch of that stuff. But then we have this API business because like without any demand for the token, like the net, the token sits there, there's no real use case except rewards. So we've built this where there's actual demand on the API business, which like has to pay and the API buys CQT and pays validators, right? So the APIs are working. Like we have big, well-known name customers and it's interesting once you get these customers because they really don't go anywhere. Um, I think what we've learned is everyone's, as the space grows, like is it's here one day and is there the next, the narratives change and people's asks change. But I think like that we built a lot of things that people use. Um, and like, there's something that's coming out. This might be the alpha. I don't actually know what's out yet, but we did some math and we, cause like we have a lot of wallet providers who use us like wallet, like our wallets, like not wallets, like rainbow and a bunch of others. And we were like, holy crap. If we look for every wallet that we serve, we serve 240 million wallets, like using our APIs, like not like, I'm not going to say some are rainbow, some are other people, but like 240 million unique wallet addresses are like the data comes from us. And I was like, that's a crazy stat. I don't know who dug it up on our side, but I was like, that person deserves a raise. Um, but I was like, that's some alpha. But like, I, that blew my mind. Like, I didn't even know that when, when somebody told me, this will be published soon if it's not already out. But like, I, I was very surprised. I was very, very, very surprised when I saw that stat. And I was like, wow, we build stuff people use. Like, this is not, we, we're, we're not a science, this isn't a science project anymore. Um, this is like a business with with things. And like, we have actual metrics. Like we had a... These guys called Rock Tree Capital. They're like a hedge fund. They came or not hedge fund. They're like they're a VC or a merchant bank VC. They're a lot of things. But they came to our office because they're like, we want to know you. And they showed up and they're like, you have town halls and you have desks and you have people showing up on time and you have meeting rooms. And they're like, this is a real company with like actual employees. Like this is crazy. And so like, I think that's one of the fun things about this is like we have this cult. We build a really good culture of we're gonna make a lot of bad mistakes. Uh, but the good ones definitely outweigh the bad ones. And because the space is so early, there's still so much opportunity. So yes, that's a long way of answering the question. Sorry, I thought it was just like... No, that's I love long long answers. I mean, it, it, what it does, it actually gives me ideas on like how to further expand on some of these things and hopefully still come around and talk about the objectives, which yeah. are blockchain accessibility. And certainly we want to talk about long-term data availability too. Yeah, uh, Accessibility being like a cornerstone of 
almost everything that I do and that I've been doing for years in the Web3 space is just trying to find ways to make very complex things a bit more simple. Because when we talk about adoption, I don't think that, you know, many people are as technical as we assume they are, no. uh, especially in this space. And so if we can find ways to make things um, simpler, uh, easier to use, probably better said, um, then I think that we'll kind of reach some of the metrics or, um, you know, KPIs that we've set for ourselves in terms of like, oh, we want to get the next million, next billion. And, you know, that number just keeps growing. Um, one of the things that really stuck to me when you were talking about, obviously, the number of wallets that you serve. I wonder, how do you see kind of the wallet ecosystem evolving? I have some ideas. And how do you think that would maybe uh, affect or uh, help some of these services that Covalent already provides them evolve? I That's a great question. I think wallets Wallets are the gateway, right? Like wallets are the UI layer. Like everybody, I think I have nine wallet apps on my phone, plus like three browser extensions. So I've, 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 I've used it. I personal opinion, I think they all suck. I think everything sucks. Um, and I think no, but some, but but I mean, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the sense that like I think Rainbow is probably the best UX of every wallet. I'm not just saying that they're a customer. Like I I, I love Rainbow, but this switching chains, bridging here, like all of the mechanics are still so out in the open that I still feel like we're 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 still in we're we've hit Windows 95. Um, I think we're at Windows 95 where it's like I remember I say Windows 95. I'm old. But I remember being really young and seeing Windows 95 and being like, and just intuitively knowing this is the future. Like I knew it. I was like, this is where it like, and I think we've passed, we've crossed the chasm in terms of like, you know, in 2001, there was a dot-com bubble and like it burst. But I, I think in that sense, like there's ETFs for all sorts of things, right? Like there's all of these financial instruments have been, which have been legitimized. I think with a Bitcoin ETF, it's a sign of like, well, the market is here. This is not going anywhere. This is... This is real. This is a thing. And so I think in terms of the UI, like we've seen it, but sort of like in 1995, the internet was a thing and no, but nobody knew where it was going to take us. Right. Like I, I think we're at that stage where it's like, it's still greenfields. Um, maybe I, I think we're actually past that. Maybe because I'm so deep in the weeds that like I've gotten smarter in the space, but we're, we're at this protocol layer where everyone is talking about well how this works and how that works and how all of these things but i think we haven't even i don't even think we've scratched the surface like i think that like i think DeFi is the end game um i think DeFi is the absolute end game and this is like i'll play back to wallets in a second but like i think that there's all of this infrastructure like the fact that we have we know what like a pocket is or like a decentral or a beware or, or an anchor like decentralized rpc which is like the most base thing in crypto. Um, we know what indexers are, like we know what all of these things are, but like there's so many layers in between where we are and like DeFi, which is why a lot of DeFi assets are are, are crappy, like they don't actually do anything. Um, and I'm not just like this on me hanging, but like it's, it's sort of like the sign that like you have a wallet, you have all these things in it, but it's the things that are in the market today, but it's not the things that we really need in the market today. Like if you look at Web2, like a Web2, any, any Web2 mobile app, like it doesn't have you know, trading, NFT, it's not, it's, not, it's not an art gallery and it's not your financial management and it's not your chat app and it's not, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think we're not quite there yet in terms of what it is. Like, there's a lot of things that are there, but it's, it's, there's still a ways to go. Yeah, you actually are uh, reminding me of just a lot of things that I've been reading. Um, just last night, um, I received the Re Write Own book by Chris Dixon. Yeah. Um, and I consumed that book. Like, it's, it's insane how fast you can go through it. There are some technical things, but it's really easy read. 
Um, and he was talking about, you know, a lot of what you've said. And one of the things that resonated with me is we're currently like in the HTML, HTTP era where we're developing these protocols on which the internet runs, right? Yeah. Um, but really, we still haven't started to develop the applications on which that, that will run on those protocols. So, no. you know, I think when we talk about, you know, blockchains and blockchain networks, um, we can see kind of that protocol development uh, but we're still missing the things that are sticky, the things that are fun, the things that really bring on people who are not technical. Like, you know, my wife, I would say she loves applications probably a lot more than I do. Um, but she could care less a lot uh, about what I do in this space of Web3 currently. One of the things, though, that I think has, at least for me personally recently, has shown me the possibility is a lot of the stuff that's happening on Farcaster. As you know, Farcaster is a protocol too, but through their client Warpcast, a lot of really fun experiments are being done right now, which definitely are accelerating that uh, future vision of you know applications that are being run uh, on these protocols that may eventually get some adoption and you know scaling a lot of those applications too. I wonder if you have any thoughts on that too. I think you're right. I think there's, there's like I said, is if they are have if 51% of the things they're seeing is working, then that's that's all you need to keep doing, right? Like it's not. We are. I think we're. I'm gonna. I think Windows 95 is is accurate early. Like 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 it's the early age of the consumer internet because I don't know how old you are. There was this thing called like GeoCities where everyone had their own crappy like yeah. So like I look at this and a lot of it is just GeoCities and there's nothing wrong with GeoCities. We have great memories, but it's there's that, that's not Amazon. That's not, you know what I mean? Like that's not that's not Facebook. That's not a lot of these things. And that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um but at the same time, like we've probably seen a couple pets.com, which was like for those who don't know, it was like it was worth like a hundred billion dollars. And like they bought trucks, assuming everybody was all of a sudden got by pet food over the internet, which like it go anyways. Uh it was a ridiculous failure, but like it's what it's a classic one. But I think we're at that point where we're still figuring out the infrastructure. Like we haven't hit DSL, we haven't hit. We, we're still in dial-up, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I I listened to this podcast recently, and it was saying that you know the problem with the problem is like crypt, like every people can understand AI because AI is like how to build tools faster and how to do all of these things. Like I can use AI to build a landing page. I can use AI to build a pitch deck. I can use AI to do like I, I had it correct a blog post I'm writing. You know what I mean? Like, hey, please clean this up, make it grammar and make it sound more professional. Um, and those are my criteria. And it came out like 80 percent to how I wanted it. So we're doing that. But the, 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 the contrary is like people who are deep into Web2 understand AI. They're like, I conceptually get this. But they have the, the learning curve to crypto is super steep. And I think what's interesting is I think um, a lot of these frontier technologies will eventually blend, but it'll blend in a way that's very practical. Like how do you police and track AI and like the data sampling from large databases and like, how do you make sure this happens? Right? Like, I don't know if you heard about this, like the Cora deal with open AI, where they're saying that they're going to buy all this data from Cora because it's a ton of raw data that you can use for AI machine learning. They're going to pay an, an, a big annual fee. But the question is, if I'm on Cora and I've been using it for years, am I going to get a little percentage of that? Like, and, and they, if I'm in Indonesia, they're not going to pay me US dollars. There's going to have to be some sort of token incentive that's going to come in the future, right? Like for these microtransactions to actually utilize data. And I think it'll eventually be government enforced, like years from now. So I think we're in the super, super, super early days. Super early. I think we've there's product market fit in terms of like, is this the future? Yes. Uh, but like, are the applications here and are the killer use cases here? I, I am totally convinced DeFi is the end result, 
but like, because it's like, it's how do you do leverage? How do you do all of these things? But like you're doing leverage and you're doing loans and you're doing stuff on like 2001 era public company stocks. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not like the under, a lot of the underlying stuff isn't there. Some of it's there on the protocol layer. I'd, I'd agree. Um, or like on the infrastructure layer, but like anything else above that is a big question mark. You know, so you said this now twice, and so I'll, I'll ask you to dig a little deeper because you talk about DeFi being the end state. I'm not so bullish on that thesis. I think uh, we're social, you know, animals. So at the end of the day, uh, DSOCH, you know, anything that really has to yeah. do with like uh, social applications, social protocols uh, is kind of the end state. Um, it's how can we socialize? How can we connect, curate, yeah. uh, you know, monetize even, uh, though maybe to a smaller degree? the things that we do uh, together. I think that's one of the things. So I wonder if you could just explain briefly what you think or why you think like DeFi is the end state. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll rephrase it because I think, I don't think DeFi is the end state in a bad way. I think DeFi is the end state in a good way. So in the sense that we haven't, it's like, we're on a train, we're on a train and we're laying the tracks down as we're going. I don't know if you've seen that, like the Wallace and Gromit meme. It's one of my favorite ones where it's like, they're on the train and they're putting down the tracks as the train is going on the infrastructure side, there's still like, like, like Kyber a couple months ago, what $50 million hacks. Like there's like, think about that. Like we haven't, like we're at a point where we're putting money in like magic internet money of dog coins in trustless protocols that get hacked. And then like your life savings is gone. Like it's crazy. Like if you separate that, like people are saying, uh, people are looking at their bank saying like, I want my FDIC insurance for to protect my hundred grand or whatever it is. And then the same person is like, but I'm willing to lose $3 million in a DeFi, in a dog protocol. It's like, it's crazy. So I think what, why DeFi is the end state is it's so it's, and, and this, this is the social part. Like it's the perfect blend of social and money where it's like, and like influencer culture where it's like, look how much I've done. Look what I have in my wallet. Cause it's all public. So like, look what I have, look what I'm doing and look how, look at my leverage look how I got wrecked. Look at this. Like, and also like you, you're building in public. So you have these funny things where it's like, it's memes and it's socialized, but it's like, look at how this works. And there's some, there's some brilliant ideas that are coming out of it. Like, I'm not saying it's the end state, but I'm saying it's like, we're here and we're here and everything in the middle is a giant question mark, right? Like the idea of collateralizing my own, like my friends on friend tech, when I saw that, I was like, this is genius. Like, this is like, this is tote, but this is like, end game mentality they've just sort of instead of being here and here they sort of put something like right in the middle you know what i mean where it's like or middle to the right up to the end you know what i mean like they, they they came up with a brilliant idea and i love it but i i i think DeFi will get better and DeFi and social are so intertwined in this space um that like people make friends because of they've all invested because they all have skin in the game and they're in some obscure DeFi protocol you know what I mean? And that, and they're all in a discord together. And then they're like, oh, let's meet up in the real world. You're in Minnesota. I'm in Minnesota. Like, let's hang out. Um, and I think that's part of it, but I think that's why, like, but like I said, back to the previous point of like a lot of the underlying assets are just garbage and I'm not and the, like, and they might make sense today, but in 10 years, we're going to look back on this and be like, I can't believe we all bought into that sort of like before the call, I don't know if we I mentioned pickle finance. Like I'm not hating on pickle finance, but I was like, there was never any utility. There was never anything there. It was just like, we all bought it and we all thought it was cool. And it was a meme. So like, but it was social and it was fun. So we did it. Uh, whereas I think we're at that like end game, but the rails aren't even fully there yet. Like, cause like things are still breaking along the way. So yeah, that that's my general thought process. 
Yeah, no, that that that's really good. And and I one thing that I advocate for, and I, I I try to say this as often as I can, is you know we need to continue experimenting. Anyways, is the day that the experiments end that this whole you know movement dies because at the end of the day we're not even close to where we need to be. Uh, so I'm all for the experiments. You know, definitely when you're you know, uh, taking part in these experiments, do your own research, obviously. Uh, you know, don't just uh, degen into something and then uh, lament about it later. Uh, but yeah, certainly I think the experiments are a fun way to kind of explore where the uh, edges are and then continue to push, uh, you know, and kind of expand on some of these ideas. I wonder if like we can bring this back then to uh, covalent in terms of all of this data, right? We're talking about DeFi, we're talking about decentralized social, we're talking about like speculating on friendships, uh, even, you know, through some of these applications. Uh, what do you think like Covalent's role could be then in the future, if it wants to participate in, um, you know, aggregating and serving this data to, you know, developers or applications that want to use it? So great question. Um, it's it's like it's funny because I like I it's it's very, I, I'm always practical with how I think like I don't I, I I try not to think with my head on my ass uh, but it's very much like I I don't think it's that different from where we're going like I I think it's like I said our our it, we're not everything we have always said is hyper practical I think what's going to be interesting is when we start realizing the size of the market we're dealing with right like that's the market is growing the market is definitely growing. But if I said, you know, do you still is is the value of five year old Ethereum data valuable to somebody? It is, and somebody has to store it, and like it's going to be like that. So, where I think the space is going and where it's getting super interesting is there's a lot of app chains. There's we have I think we we have full replicas of everything that's happened on over two hundred chains right now. Like you can look, it's public, it's all in our docs, and it's going to keep growing. And I think you're going to need a solution for this, right? So it's like I think as the market grows, we grow. Um, and as long as we can find a way to get data to developers and builders and, you know, once these AI agents, like, like I previously mentioned, once they're like, oh, we actually need to sample this from whatever, right? Like once that some of these come into effect, as long as we have the cheapest, most accessible data, I think that's the thing. Like, and I, I think we're trending in that direction. Like I said, it hasn't really stopped. So I, I think we're, we're, we're growing with the market. We're definitely growing. The market grows, we grow. Um, and we're, we, we've just doubled down on, on, on like this idea. So I think what's interesting is we're now starting to get further into the weeds. So like not in the weeds in a bad way, in the weeds in a good way, where it's like the things that some of the things we've been talking about are starting to come to fruition. Like uh, this is Miss Alpha. It hasn't been publicly released, but like we we launched a fee switch last like like last week, two weeks ago, like very recently, um, where it's like, hey, we're taking our revenue and it's there's a bot there. It's automatically buying token, like but with our actual product. So it's like the next step towards protocol revenue, which is like where all these things have to go. You have to be self-sustaining at one point. It's early. It's starting. But like we're moving in that direction. We're at a point where we're saying, OK, well, you know, we have this covalent API business, which is so far the only customer of the covalent network, because like you have to bootstrap both sides. Right. Like you can't say everyone's going to come to this if you're not even buying from it. So like we've had to dog food our own business. But we're now we're at the stages where we're looking at opening that up so like people could actually start people like hopefully by the end of this year we'll be able to go direct and all of other customers so like people that are even our competitors can buy from it right which is great so like they can get cheaper data to build better products so maybe even some of our customers will leave us and go right to the network and buy directly that's cool that's not a bad thing i think that's where it's like you're you're growing the pie for everybody so i think at where we're going is 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 a fun place and i'm thinking as all these roll-ups now there's a million 
separate, you know, app chains that are launching where we sort of slotted ourselves into their growth um, and vice versa. And so it's, 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 it's good. Like I said, the overall vision hasn't really changed. It's just more like the market is, I always joke that like, I always say like, we're too early uh, for everything, but it seems like the market is catching up to our plans, which is, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could talk to, because I want to leave, by the way, there, there's one question that I want to leave towards the end because I want I want to have enough room for discussion. That's that long-term DA, yeah. uh, you know, piece that you were talking about earlier um, and maybe compare and contrast with short-term DA. But one of the things that I saw recently, as recently as like this week, uh, I went on the Covalent YouTube and I saw the pinned video, which I believe is like the 2024 um, vision, right? Yeah. And in it, the team, uh, including the founder and CEO, go on to talk about like where they're at, what they've done, you know, kind of like a year end recap, but also like projections. And it is a pretty ambitious goal to try to onboard. I believe I saw like 100,000 or 200,000 uh, blockchains. I don't know. Like It might be a number that is actually wrong uh, now that I'm thinking about it. It might be a thousand. Um, what are like, where are you at now in that goal? Um, and kind of what is the the, the plan, I guess, to be able to onboard more of these chains? And really, what is the purpose of onboarding all of these chains to Covalent? I think some of them might be pretty straightforward, but there might be a little bit more nuance to it. Yeah, it's a great question. So the idea is, so we're at 200, we're, we're just over 200 today. So we're, we're not starting from, this is not a pipe dream, right? Part of it is how many chains are there going to be? I can't control that. You can't control that. I don't know. So part of it is, I think part of it of stating your goals in public, which I'm a big fan of, is you put it in public and like you're held accountable. Uh, will we get there? We're going we're gonna to try our best. And I think this is where, you know, where we have to start thinking about some of these things is we have a team right now um, for this hosted covalent hosted solution where blockchain comes to us. They say, hey, uh, I'll sign a commercial agreement. You host all my data because we have over 30,000 developers who use us. So in a lot of cases, the blockchains like, you know, a blockchain without any applications is a pretty useless blockchain. So in some cases, they they need the, our APIs. They want access to the developers. They want access to the apps built on our APIs. They have somebody something they need, and so they're willing to pay for it. And then like we have a handful of other products. Like we we launched this uh, modular block explorer kit. It's open source. You could fork it, do it if you want. But like we have a lot of things that are interesting to them. And so the fact that we have so many chains where they're like, well, I already I want to build my own my own BI tool or like my compare and contrast. And I want, I think this person is my biggest competitor and they work with you. So you have all their data so I can benchmark my success to their success. Like, cause it's like, we have all the data in the same, in the same place. So there's a lot of advantage to having that. Now, what the scaling factor of this is engineers can only index so many chains at a time. So that is the little, that is a literal bottleneck. Like it's a human bottleneck. Like you can only send out so many contracts. You can only index this. You can only do that. So part of this is if we, we sat down and I said, and this is back to the network is if we're going to get there, we need to build a mechanism so people can self-integrate, and this should be part of the decentralized network. So like I said, right now, a lot of it is hosted, a lot of it is centralized. Ethereum is not. Ethereum, we, we have validators running nodes on Ethereum. Um, so full historical cryptographic replicas of Ethereum. We have that, but what's where it's going is we're going to need to figure out a way to do this. I'd be lying if I said I had the total solution today, but I have ideas. I have a lot of good ideas of how to get there. And just because when you say that in public, you're like, okay, well, we have the end of the year. If there's a thousand chains, 
I don't even know if there will be a thousand chains in the EVM world. Maybe if there is, well, we got to get as many as we can and we have to figure out a solution so they could do the work themselves and self-integrate and add value back to the network. So the why they come is beginning to be pretty obvious for me, but like I, you know, I, I'm inside the this bubble. Um, but the the ability to let them do it and add value back to the network is really where we have to push this because if there are going to be a thousand chains and a thousand rollups and, and 10,000 and a hundred thousand or like, if you listen to Sri Ram and like what he says, it's something said about eigenlayers, like somebody will launch a rollup for 10 minutes or like it'll exist for one function and then it'll close down, which I don't disagree with, but they may want to have that data for five years or 10 years, right? Like people have photo boxes of things for a reason. Like you need these things, sometimes for taxation, sometimes for other things. You can't just like deploy a rollup, do something and all the data is gone forever, right? So like you need, you absolutely need it. So I, I think when we we put the vision together, we're like, okay, well, from a uh, an un, a, a bold statement, let's do a thousand chains. From a practical thing, we now have to figure out how to do this for a thousand chains. We have good ideas. Let's see about the execution. Like last year, we had Covalent Vision twenty twenty three. We were we did a lot. I think we did like seventy percent of what was in it, which was pretty good. Like a lot of stuff was just like, okay, well, this was a bad idea, or we did it and it failed miserably, which is fine. Um, but that's like I said, getting like whether we did it and whether it was successful are two different things. Uh, but a lot of the stuff was actually successful, which is like the blessing in disguise here. So, yeah. Someone's asking in the comments, is this like the Wayback Machine for the blockchain? And actually, I think yeah, I saw that language being yeah. used somewhere, either in a video or on your documentation. Yeah, it's the Ethereum Wayback Machine. So like, I don't know if you ever used the Wayback Machine, like the the way back, the actual, like the internet Wayback Machine, where you can go and like, what happened on this day at that time? We dubbed it the Ethereum Wayback Machine because we've spent a lot of time looking at Ethereum data. Like I would, I think collectively, I would love to do this, 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 I would actually love to run the hours, like the amount of hours we've put in. It'd be a fun metric to put on a landing page. Like our team has invested this many hours into the EVM. It's probably in the tens of thousands at this point. Um, but yeah, the whole thesis is like, look, we're, we, we started in Ethereum. I think we'll die in Ethereum at this point. It's the question of, you know, somebody has to solve all this historical data. It just doesn't apply to Ethereum. It applies to the EVM as well. Um, and I, I think that is, that's the hill we're going to die on. Like this is, this is the project that if I said, like, if I said, what is the value of everything in every bank's database? Like, what is the value of that data? That's sort of, and you know, if there's going to be more bank, it, like think, if you think of a blockchain, almost like a bank or like, or a ledger, like a database, like we're looking at this on a macro scale and saying, okay, well, there'll be blockchains for art, there'll be blockchains for that, but who's going to structure that, normalize it and make it actually useful. And then and then have a solution for, you know, so you can get this 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years from now. Uh, that's 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 what we're looking at. This is not a, okay, let's launch a purpose protocol and like, you know, get a bunch of liquidity and then we're out in six months. Like, that's why I said, like, if you have a long-term vision, the narrative, like your narrative and like your, how you present it might change, but overall, like the work is still the same. Yeah, you know, and I think one of the things that you've said, and I and I kind of rebutted, uh, and that was like the end state is uh, DeFi, and I said the end state is social. I think the end state is data. You know, I mean, and so you know, building a protocol, uh, covalent uh, platforms, applications for people to use and access this data in ways that are, um, you know, uh, easy to integrate. Right. I think that is definitely a valuable space to work in. I know. For personally, for me, I think my post, my pinned tweet says something like, "My 
like my biggest bet is on-chain data, you know, and I think that that's that's been true uh, since I started in this space, and I I just I've, I I stand on that because I think that as we start to see also a number of not just EVM compatible blockchains, but now um, you know kind of the super chain thesis continue to grow as well. All of this data is just uh, it's it's starting to become more and more segmented or disconnected. And so to be able to bring that together and make sense of that data, I think it's a super super powerful, um, you know, kind of uh, service, I guess, that can be provided both to developers, to blockchains, and to the end user as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, th- I, th- I think that's where... I think the the end goal is if all of our if all of this data is going to be public, it has to be stored somewhere, and there has to be an incentive to store it. Uh, you know, even in the digital world, like things get lost. Like I have, I was funny. I built this product years ago, and I just I was looking for like. I, I, anyways, I don't have any of the code anymore. But I was like, do I still have that? I don't. Whatever, whatever it is, what it is. But I think in blockchain world, like if you're going to want to know if you, if I always think about this, like the government has tax clawbacks, right? So they can claw back tax after many years. Uh, what will happen with some people is once you've like touched, you know, like if you want to do taxes or you, you have a tax event that happened five years ago and you forgot to declare it or do something like you're going to want to know that. And if there's going to be all of these chains popping up, like there's going to be all sorts of crazy things. Like there's an accounting firm who uses our APIs and he said that one of their clients, because we have so many chains indexed, one of their clients didn't know they had an airdrop of like $40,000 on some chain. Yeah, this is crazy. And they're like, we wouldn't have known this. We didn't even know what the chain was. We were just like you know, put in wallet address, get balances. And they're like, what, what is this? Do you know what this chain is? And the guy's like, I've never even heard of that. And they're like, like, I know what it is, but I've never used it. Like, well, you have an airdrop sitting in a wallet on this chain that somebody just gave you. And he's like, "Uh, what? And so imagine that, right. But like, I think we're, we're early days in that regard. We're like, we don't even know the value. And like everyone, because like data is a long and generally, I mean, a long and uninteresting space. It's like we all acknowledge it. We all acknowledge data is oil. There's no one debates it anymore. Everyone's like, yeah, there's so much data. It's like, look at Google. Google is Google because Go- not Go- Google's entire mission statement is organizing the world's data. Uh, all of that is going to be public. So, like, what is the value of that? So that's how I perceive it, and we perceive it. But sort of like you know, when you're doing that, then there's all these new shiny things popping up every two weeks. It's like, well, you know, they're on. This is this is a this is a ten year twenty year project. This is a, not a ten year twenty year project. Like. The momentum is there; it'll grow, uh, but it's just this is a long. This is these are people playing a long term game. I think actually, so that that brings us around back, and hopefully, we have enough time to kind of discuss this. I know it, it can be a very very long discussion if we wanted it to, but let's talk more about long term data availability, right? So you were talking about Celestia Eigenlayer um, and kind of the narratives around short term DA. Like, let's talk about like long-term DA. Is that something that uh, Covalent is working on? Um, you know, are we going to be seeing products in this space from Covalent? Yeah. Like, what, what's what, what's the space about, and kind of what what what's the thought process behind it? So yeah, so I'm gonna I'll, I'll reference a couple of people. So one is I I look at Eigenlayer and I look at Celestia, and their whole pitch is it's really straightforward. It's like, hey. Things happen on chain. We're gonna record, and I'm I'm drastically oversimplifying it. So like, don't like, don't. I, they're saying this data is gonna get stored for only eight weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. I could be wrong, so please, like, if I'm wrong, like, I don't work for these projects. I, I I've never even finished. I I've, I read the Eigenlayer white paper and it's way over my head. So, um, Celestia one I definitely got. But anyways, you, you know what I mean. So if there's get if there's gaps in what I'm saying, apologies. Uh, D Y O R. Um, 
but I, they, they're only storing the data for a certain amount of time. There is no long-term, super long-term data availability. The whole mission is like, hey, we're going to store this data to make sure people get paid and, you know, people can contest things and nothing is missed and nobody tampers with the node. And I'm like, okay, like I get that. But then my question is, okay, so to my point previously, what happens when I have to do my taxes? Like what happens when I have to open my wallet and like my balances say zero because you haven't stored that anywhere for a long term? And their answer is pretty straightforward. They're like, well, that's somebody else's problem. Like we're not competing in that space and that's fine, but that's, that's fine because they have a value and um, you know, they're in the process of solving a solution. So good for them, but it still doesn't address the problem of what is the incentive to store the data on these 50 chains, on these hundred chains, on these thousand chains. And, and then not just storing it, how easy is it to extract the data from these chains, right? So that's where I think a huge differentiation is. And then this is, like I said, goes back to time frame and perspective. They're looking at it from all we care about is when something comes into these eight weeks. We're looking at this from we care about these eight weeks for the next 50, 50 years. Um, and that's how we, we, we're, we're looking at it because like we have the luxury of having clients who are on the tax space and they're like, well, I need three years of historical data. You're never going to get that from them. There's no way there, there's no way you're going to do it. And what we're building, it's hard, man. Like, it's like, this is not an easy problem to solve. So easy, hard problems take more time and, and it's, and like we've keep shipping. And so the, the momentum is there. Um, but like I said, we have a very different time horizon. So in that regard, like the shipping is there, the traction is there, the customers are there, the growth is there. Like every, if you're a VC or you're doing anything, like a lot of the metrics you're looking for are there. Not everything is published on chain, but like we're in the process of solving for that. But I think they're very, they're very different thought processes. Like it's the difference of like, well, what do I want? Like, what do I want to eat for lunch this week versus like, what am like, 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 well, what is the health I want to have in the next five years? Right? Like it's, it's, it's a different, it's uh, longevity is the perspective. And then like, because once you do that, you're going to need to, and then once you have that data, the whole point is like data is only as good as, is only as useful as it's structured. So meaning if it's garbage data and it's not organized or it's not useful, like it's, it's no good. Like you've, you've opened Excel. If you fill a bunch of garbage and if you put like, you know, add random into a million cells, it'll give you a bunch of random data into a million cells. It's not very useful. Whereas what we're doing is like part of what we're doing is on the network is structuring the data. So it's like almost like an assembly line. So it's the difference of bringing home a bunch of books and tossing them on the floor versus bringing home a bunch of books, putting them in a bookshelf, labeling them and categorizing them efficiently. Right. Like so then it's actually easy to do things with it. And that's how we've been looking at this. It. Like it's 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 like a I don't know how technical the audience is, but like an archive node is like the result of an RPC. So it's like the RPC is the thing that lets us write to the blockchain. So um the archive node is sort of like, like it's like, it's a commodity, right? But it's a cheap, expensive commodity to run. But even then, not every archive node is the same. So we're sort of saying, well, how do we make all these things standard? And if they're all standard, then how do we have an incentive for people to host these in perpetuity or as long as, you know, as long as somebody wants? And all you need is one in some cases. And then what is the incentive to, and like, what is the incentive? Then how do we make it as easy for people to get the data out? Because if the data is impossible to get out, then no one's going to use it. And then there's no fine, then there's no monetary incentive to keep it. So that's how we look at it. And that's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not hard. It's, it's not easy, but it's like, you know, we're, we're just on a path and, and, and we're, we're going down that path. So I think that is a core difference is, is mind frame and value. Like we are things that have giant visions don't get solved overnight. That's fantastic. Um, 
you know, I think as we're coming around to the top of the hour, I want to make sure that we leave, um, you know, kind of a call to action to the listeners. Um, You know, I think uh, in particular, anybody who wants to start using Covalent, uh, so developers, for instance, you know, what, where can they, what, what should they do? What's, what's usually the thing you point to first, maybe the docs, but how can people get started and start working with Covalent's data? Yeah. So I guess the call to action is a few of them. One is if you're a developer, we have, um, Sign up for the API. It's totally free. You'll get $100,000 credits. If you want, I'll, I'll shoot you the link after we can post it up. But like there, we have a grants for de- like developer grants. So we'll give you up to 25K of credits to just go build cool stuff. Uh, I've, we've given away a lot of money. Uh, I think we've, we've passed a million dollars. And there's some, I've seen some of the stupidest projects I've ever seen. And I say that in an amazing way. Because someone like, I'll give you, like, and, and I just love it. Because it's so much fun. Because you get to see, these guys came to us. And they said, we're building AI. And I said, okay, what does AI mean? They said, we're building AI for cats, on-chain cats. And they were so excited. And I was like, business, like, where did, like, explain. They're like, okay, the, the blockchain, has everybody loves cats. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, how many cat NFTs are there on-chain? And I was like, probably a lot of different collections. They're like, yeah, exactly. So we're going to make an, an AI that can figure out what's a cat, then remix different cat collections. And to make to remit NFTs, but like we need all the historical transaction data and then to airdrop them back to people so they know it. And I was like, okay, that is the stupidest idea. I absolutely love it. What's the business model? And they're like, I have no idea. I have no, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to make money, but isn't it a good idea? I was like, I'm going to give you $25,000 just because I think this is awesome. And I just want to know what happens. So I think that's how we've been thinking about this is like, we've given out a lot of grants. There's a lot of cool projects. So like, I, I love ridiculous ideas. I love writing about them. We love sharing them with our community and our investors and stuff. And like, it's fun. It's, it's, I think that is, that's something. Um, so happy to give out grants. I think that's one of the easiest ways. Uh, we, have other, we have other things for developers. Like we built an open source block explorer kit. So if you're building a dApp and you're like, I don't want to build the front end, uh, or I don't want to build a bunch of front end pieces. Like, you know, what are token prices? What are this, what are that? We've built a ton of open source stuff. So instead of Etherscan, it's like all the little pockets and pieces of Etherscan, but it works across 200 plus chains. So that's live. You can fork that. It's on GitHub. And then the, if you get a grant, that works with the that works with the, the block export. So it's just it uses the API under the hood. It's just like a UI layer. So it's pretty cool. Um, those are, I'd say, the best, the biggest calls to action. Obviously, we have something called our alchemist. So like, uh, you know, it's like our, uh, it's like our community. So like, come, we'll teach you how to use the API. We'll teach you SQL. We'll teach you on-chain data. Happy to teach people. We have different cohorts coming in. Um, and I'd say those are the big, those are the big things. We're just like, you know, follow on Twitter, get involved, show up to discord, ask questions, come hang out. Love it. I'm going to come in myself. Um, one of the things I failed to do, and this is like I said before, the relaunch of on-chain alpha covalent is episode one. Um, I was supposed to do an intro. Uh, that was going to thank the people who have actually made this possible. And I totally blanked on it. Uh, so I'm going to go through it right now because I do want to yeah. also shout out uh, Mosaic, which is something that I'm building. And I see a lot of opportunity uh, with what you've said just now in terms of, you know, uh, developer onboarding. Um, and so, you know, to everybody who's been listening, I want to thank uh, Mosaic which is a loyalty rewards protocol for on-chain brands and their fans. Mm. The Optimism Collective, uh, we got RPGF uh, three funds from that. Um, So thank you to the Optimism Collective. They are helping to scale Ethereum's present to provide funding for its future. And then Bankless DAO as well. 
uh, decentralized community and mission to help the world go bankless. So with that being said, you know, I think Mosaic um, might be a perfect case study uh, using Covalent because we are uh, looking to aggregate on-chain and off-chain data to provide better rewards retroactively. Uh, we're heavily inspired by the work being done uh, at Gitcoin and Optimism. Um, and so working with data is something that we do on a you know daily basis. Uh, and so I think it's just uh, wonderful. I actually just created my account uh, this week uh, and I started dabbling with some of the APIs there. So you're going to be seeing more about, more from me and Mosaic there too. You get 25 grand and you get 25 <laughs> grand. No, seriously, it's just, uh, I'll send you the way you should, uh, it's just, we need the process for documentation purposes, but if you fill it out, I'll just, I'll, you know, we'll hook that up. I, I'll say that on air. So somebody be like, I want 25 grand of API credits. No, there's accountability now. Yeah, there's accountability, but it, it's it's a fun program. Like it's, it's, it's fun to see it. And like I said, the funner, the, there's some weird, I love the weirdness, bring on the weird. I think the weird is like the inspiration for what comes next. So yeah, man, happy. We, I know that use case, I know the use case well, but yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Rad. All right. And with that said, um, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful talk with Eric. Love yeah. learning more about Covalent, but certainly more about you as well and you know your thoughts about the Web3 space. Before we leave, I want to make sure I ask, you have three guitars, bass? Yeah. Back there? Yeah. I have this is this is a bass. These two are guitars. This one is funny. This is my that's I got that at a garage sale for $50 and we just ripped out the pickups. I frank it's a Frankenstein. So I call it my homebrew. Okay. Uh, it's it's it sounds terrible. I didn't do a good. I, I did an okay job, but like it sounds awful. It's just it's fun. It was a fun project. It sort of worked. I learned. It was more of a, a, le a learning experience. This is probably the one that actually gets used. It's just a hollow body. So I don't, it's you know I don't I don't I don't have an acoustic. So like that's the one that I have to plug in. And then the bass is just memory of the past. Mem mem memory of uh, memory of, of 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 when I used to play in a band. Ah, I was going to ask. Well, that's rad, Matt. Love to hear it sometime. Uh, we're running a lot of on-chain experiments uh, at Crypto Sapiens too. Uh, and one of the things that we want to do this year, uh, culture is kind of like the big uh, a word uh, on our walls. And we really want to help to curate uh, a lot more on-chain media. Um, and so this includes obviously art. Uh, as you can see, I'm a particular fan of art and I do collect the physical, but also the digital as well. Um, and also the uh, musical, uh, you know, experiments too. So it'd be rad if you were to play something and through Crypto Sapiens, we'd ha be happy to curate that content for you. Do it. I'm, I, I'm so out of practice. It's funny, my, the better half was she's like, you are, she's like, you have all these guitars, you have all this stuff. She's like, but like, when do you ever do it? I'm like, I, I, I not as often as I should is definitely the answer. So it'll, I like it. I like the accountability. It'll hold me to actually, uh, to pick something up and, and, and play more often. So yeah, let's, let's, yeah, definitely. Let's, it might, it might be like a 30 days of, 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 you know, tuning your guitar and figuring things out. That'd be rad. Uh -huh. I need that accountability. I definitely, for this, for the other, for the work <laughs> stuff and like the covalent stuff, it's fine. For everything else, I'm like, oh, I could probably use it. Yeah, the, the the regular life stuff that sometimes falls uh, in uh, in the cracks because we're so busy building Web3. Exactly. How All right, man? Rad, well, thank you uh, so much for your time. My pleasure, brother. We'll chat soon. Cool. Thanks for everyone for showing up.